Meta wants to build the most human VR glasses regarding social interaction and the interconnectivity. John Deere is going to become AI first company within the next 15 years, but most probably before the end of this decade. Now comes an article which will be super hard to talk about because I do not know how to pronounce the word Alge in English in the right way. And I have to say it a couple of times. No, I don't know if you know about this, but a tweet in the Truth app actually calls truth. So if he posts a truth, that's actually like a tweet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you are a friend of Star Trek, then you might enjoy listening to the news that here on Earth, the Starfleet Academy is now created. <laughs> Way too loud as always. <laughs> Hi and welcome to episode 25 of the Tech Review. Every two weeks we gather to discuss the hottest topics in science, technology and innovation. On camera 5 today we have Alex. On camera 4 we have Chris. On camera 3 we have Vincent. On camera 2 we have Henrike. Henrike. <laughs> and on camera 1 this is me. Hi, I'm Tarek. Oh, so many people today. <laughs> yeah, and if you like what you see here, you can of course follow us directly on our websites ideasengineering.io and freetech.academy or of course on one of our many social media channels. And you can find the links down in the description or in the show notes depending if you are watching us on YouTube or if you are listening to us on Spotify. Both is possible. And so, uh, without wasting any more time, let's jump into the news because time is as always tight. And let's see who's going to start today. It's Alex. How about that? Would you like to start with John Deere? Yes. Um, so you may know John Deere as a company building machines that um, are uh, actually um, for in for agriculture. So everything that is agriculture related, right? Um, and so John Deere is not just building agricultural um, machinery and uh, doing awesome stuff with that. Um, but what they did or what they do throughout time, they developed a lot of autonomous machinery um, for agriculture purposes. Um, so the focus of this article that I brought with me is that John Deere is going to become um, a mobile, uh, mobile first, well, mobile first definitely, but also AI first company within the next 15 years, but most probably um, before the end of this decade. Why? Um, they found this this opportunity during um, also Corona. The article says um, that is also a Corona-related or COVID-related thing to find people um, going out there and, you know, like doing the crops, um, wielding the, the, the fields and so on. So it's, it's an issue. And so they have machinery that is driving autonomously over the, those fields and actually doing the crops, working on... Uh, um, I'm lacking the vocabulary in English, if I'm, um, if I'm uh, honest, doing everything that is related so that you can actually get comfortable as, uh, as a farmer and come back eventually and look onto the field and you see that the job has been done. 
Um, and since one of the major issues is also to find people going out to the fields and, and putting out the crops or bringing in the crops, uh, this is something that they are also doing autonomously at a certain point. And you may not know that um, GPS as you know it today and the precise GPS that you have all on your phones and everything that is, you know, like GPS related, they teamed up um, before uh, before the millennium, uh, the new millennium started, they teamed up not um, not only with, uh, I forgot the name of the company um, that they team up with, but also with NASA. And I know that this is an issue here uh, within this round to actually come up with the technology to find very precise GPS data in order to not be off by many meters or many inches or what do they use over there? You know, like lots of lots of space in between where they intend to be and where they're supposed to be with their machinery. Uh, so this is something um, eventually AI is going to take over um, John Deere completely and also tomatoes, potatoes and everything else that you're going to eat in the future is going to be AI infused. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this, this makes... Sorry. Yeah, Vincent, please go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, no. I just want to say, um, I think agriculture is the um, obvious choice for AI technology because um, in terms of automation, uh, we always um, observed how much automation um, was developed in agriculture. And in the back in the days, there were so many people involved with uh, planting crops and collecting crops. And so I could imagine that at some point of time, exactly as, as the video shows right now, um, everything can be automated by the machines. Someone, it's like uh, driving a truck. Right, driving a truck can be automated. Driving a tractor and uh, plowing the fields—why shouldn't this be automated and maybe even optimized? Vincent, <laughs> please go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. We actually had quite of the same thought, kind of the same thought. I just—I also wanted to say that I think that, especially the demand for, um, well, to harvest crops and to do it right and to do it also very sustainably, so that we can generate as much food as we can from the fields without ruining them, them is super important and therefore i think that's great also i think it fits in nicely with our discussion i think we had last time last time about the construction robots which actually um are quite similar i mean they're working with ai and um i also they will need a lot of uh well uh, very precise location services and stuff like that to work as efficiently as possible. So I think this is just this this um, sector of technology that we're not necessarily seeing because it's not presented by, I don't know, Apple during their keynotes and you can do it with your phone, but the sector that now comes and actually has much more impact or the technology has much more impact there than our lidar scanner on the phone we have that uh nobody of us has ever used professionally i guess except for chris maybe that maybe i don't know what to do with your tools uh but i'm pretty sure that maybe you have more use than i for the lidar scanner right yeah i w i wonder if uh i can also upgrade my dad's 40 year old john deere with the technology because <laughs> that would be pretty pretty useful but um correct me if I'm wrong, but they currently just use it or have like proof of concept or something in the US or do they also? Um, I'm not sure whether know, they're shipping in Europe. Uh, those but um, 
I imagine that, or I, I think that the big vision is going to be that everyone on the planet is going to use it then, obviously. And um, one of the things that is very interesting is that if you think of autonomous driving and what it did and GPS wise, this is something that basically prepped the field um, for autonomous uh, uh, vehicles as we know it today from, you know, like marketing Tesla and so on. Uh, that's for one, uh, that's one for sure. And the other one is going to be, um, or one important issue is then what we also experience right now with economy and with the prices rising because we cannot, you know, like um, grab everything that is within reach in Europe, also with Ukraine, autonomous uh, uh, um, agriculture could help also in areas that are right, not just rural or not approachable, but right now not having people over there in a way. Uh, might sound weird, but that could be also an issue that could be solved by autonomous agricultural, you know, like AI driven uh, agriculture um, machinery then. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, with regards to the GPS challenge, um, I, I think it also totally makes sense that they start in the US where like the fields are much bigger and it's like it, in Germany or like in, in Western Europe, it's much more closer to villages, to forests, to streets, to everything. Like you have to be much more precise here than over there. So getting it started, testing it and uh, Improving it uh, totally makes sense to do it over there and then shipping it over to. Um, By the way, this farmer like in this here. video um, talking, he's also speaking about um, that he obviously he needs Wi-Fi in order to use that um, with uh, his mobile phone or at least if not Wi-Fi, then good internet connection. I, I, I. I bring this Satellite claim that I think um, connections are still better in the States than over here as soon as you leave Berlin or even if you yeah. leave a certain certain area of Berlin. So <laughs> it might not even work everywhere yet uh, outside of the States. Yeah. I thought you would yeah. now do the the mask turn, but yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, we can, we can I put didn't mask bring in the article, and... but I read... <laughs> There was another Starlink article, I think, last week or two weeks ago, but I didn't bring it here. Would, but put, would fit perfectly to this article Let's now. connect John Deere to Starlink. Yeah. I, yeah. Could, I could also imagine that it's much easier, actually, um, bringing AI to the field, so to say, and agriculture uh, than to the streets, right? So since, of course, the field is much simpler than the streets, you have no street signs, you have no other traffic there, um, no people walking around usually. So... This is probably um, quite, I wouldn't say easy, easily to implement, but much quicker than autonomous cars out there in the world everywhere. So, yeah, it seems to be a, um, an, uh, a very easy, uh, a low-hanging fruit, if you want, for AI um, to implement um, in large scale. And the use case is, of course, absolutely useful. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I think I will uh, now break the order of my algorithm here because Chris is going to leave early, if I remember correctly. So maybe let's pull Chris to the front. <laughs> Chris, what about the MetaQuest 3? MetaQuest 3, right, yeah. Oh, Tarek, you're there already. What? <laughs> what, what, what? In the picture. 
He looks oh. like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> okay, so this is this is why I chose this article actually. Um, I also had another one, but that was for the intro gag. Okay. Um, yeah, the MetaQuest three. Um, quite cool actually. We are not talking about MetaQuest two. We are not uh, talking about Cumbria, by the way. So not to like interchange that or confuse that. We are talking about MetaQuest three. Um, which is, so to say, the um, the model which comes after Cumbria. And the idea is that Meta actually wants to build, um, well, the most, as, as it said in the article, the most human VR glasses, right? Um, regarding <clears throat> um, social interaction <clears throat> and um, the interconnectivity. Um, and this even goes um, with an, to, to the expense, <clears throat> sorry, um, even of form factor and weight, right? So the idea is that the future VR glasses shall be optimized for social interaction, right? Because uh, Mark Zuckerberg thinks that social interaction is one of the key factors in virtual reality. And I think this is a, this is a proper idea and a proper aspect um, since you can focus on various aspects in VR. And uh, I have to tell also from our own experiences from our VR test phase which we had last year in um, in our company where we had like like 60 um, people taking part in VR collaboration tests one of the main aspects indeed is the social interaction and this is exactly what uh, I said what what Zuckerberg wants to focus on so um, how to do that they want to improve the quality of um, the face-to-face -face communication in VR right so um, you should be able to see um, the other person's eye and eye movements and read their facial expressions. And um, to do so, of course, technically wise, you have to actually implement some kind of uh, face and eye tracking. Um, and then that might be possible. And then it might be possible actually um, to, 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 to read these uh, micro movements in your face by all these trackings and then actually project that onto your avatar so that you really have the possibility to so to connect socially on a very high level right really uh, on the level of your of your facial expression exp expressions and um, so as said i think it's one of the right ways to to actually go into that topic this is what he wants to achieve with metaquest 3 but they are already doing that with the cumbria which is coming out this year metaquest 3 then will be coming out next year so um big things probably at the end of next year so big things actually um to come the 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 um the difference to what we see now like with um the quest for instance is that they are not heading only for the mass market but also for um other use cases right like like working and productivity and everything um so the the long vision here is that in the end um the the headsets shall become um primary primary work device right so it should replace your 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 office your laptops so it shall be some kind of virtual laptops and um yeah this is what what they're heading through also like with uh, technical features like pass through mode with high resolution cameras and everything also in color not not as we have it nowadays with uh, just uh, gray and white and um then there was another aspect mentioned which, which i think is very important and, and that is the we had it just in the article beforehand that is the ai aspect right so um what they also want to put into their glasses into their headsets is um a new generation of ai assistants right so 
because um, as Zuckerberg said, so with um, this, with with such glasses and headsets, that will be the first time uh, that an AI system actually will be able to truly see the world from your perspective. And this is directly through the glasses. So the AI more or less sees the same as you see and can react on that. And that I thought is a very Mm, impressive approach actually with both the social interaction which is favored in the glasses and the AI approach so in a nutshell both together will be the main features for these um, new glasses which we see starting with the Cumbria but just as I said as a start and then going on with the um, MetaQuest 3 and whatever will be following and um, yeah I I'd say for, so from Zuckerberg's view apparently these both features are the jokers for what we will be calling the metaverse in the near and middle future. Yeah, I think um, we already uh, observed this feature a couple of years ago when they uh, introduced like fake eye movements and fake lip movements. And whenever your microphone was activated, your lips were starting blabbering, even though it was not real lip movement, but you were seeing which avatar was speaking at the moment. And I think the same was with the eye movements. The eyes were moving and when your face was tilting towards another person, the eyes were locking, even though the headset did not actually track your real eye movements. But it made the avatar so much more lifelike. Yeah, so I'm really curious to see how this is going to work if the avatars are really mimicking my movements. Absolutely, and this is exactly what we have in. We have actually rolled out our VR um, uh, tests or, or uh, platform into um, operative use last year, and this is what we see there exactly like that, right? So you have these fake eye movements, and it's exactly the the effect which you had just mentioned. Um, it makes the avatar so realistic, even. If the person does not look into that direction, the virtual eyes are looking. You don't know that as um, as a uh, second avatar actually looking onto onto your partner there, and um, it's even that makes the whole thing realistic. And now imagine that it's the real movement, it's the real facial expression which you have there, and then um, I could imagine that, and I, I go absolutely go together with Zuckerberg in that point that um, the social interaction might might be the key for the virtual realm and also then later on for the metaverse, for the virtual metaverse, not the real world metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's continue with uh, Henrike. Or does Chris have another article that we take beforehand? Uh, we can, of course, we can pull him to the front, right? Let's, um, let's... So I don't want to vordrängeln. So if only... If But you have to leave in five minutes, so right. let's yeah, talk Fortunately, I have to leave earlier. Yeah, we have a um, hiring talk today, so um, I'm very sorry, but I have to leave. But okay, am I, if it's okay with you, I can also sure. mention that because it's really a nice one. I like that a lot. Um, it, all, like all these things we discussed, right? It has two sides, a positive one and a negative one, good one and a bad one, black and white, like everything in the world. And also here, it's about Google. It's about Google overwhelming the world, so to say, with um, 3D uh, street maps. Um, so the cool thing here is, it, it is cool. It, although it's, again, Google overwhelming everything, on the other hand, of course, it's also very, very cool, right? So they are actually creating some kind of immersive view of the world. So they are creating um, digital twins, but 
visual digital twins of the world. So what, what we uh, see in this article here, which I brought, is um, some kind of further development of, um, of uh, Google uh, Earth, of the 3D view, actually, of Google Earth. And also here, of course, this is massively um, AI-based, as most of the services from, from Google. And here they work with um, a, a, a neural um, technology, which is called uh, Neural Radiance Fields, or NERF, just as the, uh, as the, as the play guns. Um, so the neural radiance uh, fields, and this is some kind of neural rendering where you can actually turn 2D photos into a 3D perspective. I mean, this is not really new, the concept, but um, what is new that um, they actually did that not just for a picture or um, a single space or something, but they really tested that um, shortly, like with an eight block um, scenery um, that was, I think it was the Alamo Square, they said, in San Francisco. Um, and, and that is quite a huge thing. And um, then they actually uh, got that further, uh, the whole thing. And they took training data, training data from, from camera cars, like with uh, 2.8 million pictures. And I think now they are able to, um, to, to, to project um, selected areas like in various cities. I think they're called San Francisco, New York, LA, London, and Tokyo it was. Yeah. And the cool thing is, as said, that um, the neural networks, they can learn um, so that the representation of 3D objects and scenes. So from, from um, actually taking all these 2D photos and render them in real time in, in 3D. From, and, and the cool thing is they can do that from different angles and daytimes. So um, the, I think there's a video in there. And if you, if you can see the, 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 the walk um, or the ride actually through the streets, you can imagine that it had been 2D pictures which have been um, rendered and projected into 3D, but it looks so nice and so smoothly. And what's really cool is that they really can project, as I said, various daytimes from day to night into these perspectives. That's a very, very cool thing to do, I think. And um, it does not stop in the streets. That's also very, very interesting that they are able actually to get that further even into spaces, into rooms. Like, for instance, you can get into a restaurant there and then you can dive into the individual environment of this restaurant. Also, everything in 3D. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is a totally new experience in regards to what we know from Google Earth 3D so far. So it's really three-dimensional. And according to Google, the new view runs also on every smartphone via immersive stream from the Google Cloud. And um, yeah, I thought that is quite striking. So I wanted to uh, to bring that into our little round here. And uh, one once again, we see that Google, as said, is in a way becoming overwhelming uh, and um, that they are not just um, having a navigation app with uh, Google Maps or Google Earth, but that they are now really digging through the real world as intensively as they are digging through all the internet data so this is becoming a little bit uh, creepy, of course, creepy and freaky. But um, yeah, on the other hand, it's, it's also cool. So 
uh, you can do um, your own, um, bring in your own ideas if you like that or not. But I just wanted to present it to you guys because I thought it's worth presenting and worth mentioning here. Yeah, I think um, what, I, what they really uh, did well is mixing up real data and fake data or fake imaging. For example, um, they are showing weather, but not like real weather, but they import the weather report. And so if they know it is raining, they are generating artificial rain. And when they see there's a traffic jam, they do not show the realistic uh, or the, the real cars that are standing in the traffic light, but they know there's congestion and so they simulate a traffic jam and so you see a real simulation of the real world even though it's not camera real-time camera imaging i'm uh, excited to see what this will do to uh, architecture for example and any other area where you more or less fake the real conditions and you're not reliant on that the right car is at the right place at the right time so let's say there are Let's take this and let's have a look on, I don't know, big infrastructural systems or even very individual objects. And then they animate the rain or snow, whatever this kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, I know from a friend that this is very expensive to do right now in these very professional uh, areas, even though that the use is more or less, it, it's, it's professional-ish. It's not really like every raindrop has to fall into the right place and at the same time it still has to happen and um with this technology on its in its foundation i'm really excited to see where this is going uh for well construction and architecture and a lot of other stuff as well yeah very nice and actually i brought the same article so we can skip this later <laughs> yeah, funny and not so not from the same uh newspaper but uh the same topic Okay, yeah. but let's jump back to Henrike. But then you can see that it has been an important one. So yeah, definitely. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I had an eye on that, so it must have been uh, quite, uh, yeah, quite important. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to test this out because these these renderings in this article they look unreal, not like the Unreal Engine, but it, it does not look like something that is really happening on my smartphone. Yeah, so that will be the big test then. Um, so let's let's check it out when it's available then. Right. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Actually, for taking my two articles. So um, as uh, in the beginning, as I said, unfortunately, I have to leave now to to a hiring talk. But uh, it was fun and a pleasure and an honor, like always. So thanks again to you guys. Thanks again to everybody listening and uh, viewing. Talk to you and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. Everybody else stays. <laughs> Not everybody's leaving. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, now comes an article which will be super hard to talk about because I do not know how to pronounce the word Alge in English in the right way. And I have to say it a couple of times. So bear with me when I try to yeah. somehow talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I think algae. Um, algae. algae. I go I think with it's algae. algae. All right. <laughs> uh, what 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 would you have said? Can you please give us an impression of what your impression no. of the word is? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously, it was also algae. <laughs> um, yeah. So I found this quite interesting. Uh, it's about scientists who did a proof of concept to use um, algae-powered uh, chips. Um, 
and uh, they did it for six months and they used blue green algae to power a low energy computer chip um, they put it basically into a little metal box um, the size of an double a battery and left it on a windowsill for six months and um, the algae photosynthesized generated a little bit of energy obviously not much but just enough to power the chip and um, the plan actually is to use it for um, Internet of Things devices in the future. Um, they mention, well, it's, it's less harmful to the environment than solar power and um, also traditional batteries, but it's um, quite inefficient, inefficient uh, as it's only um, absorbing, I think, 0.25% of the energy of sunlight uh, compared to 20% that we can get out of um, solar panels, for example. Um, but the good thing is it's not just uh, storing energy, but also generating energy continuously. Um, so it's it's rather cheap to produce and it's rather environmentally friendly. So um, it's quite nice to see that it's, it's already working and um, curious to see how they can actually implement it um, later on in, in actual products, um, how that will work out. But I found it quite, uh, yeah, astonishing that they... Um, use that now for for powering chips. Does the article say how long it takes until this uh, LG battery dies, like literally dies? I mean, it doesn't really, right? I mean, it's uh, if it always has sunlight, it's always oh, generating okay. right. new energy. So this is like, it has a longer lifetime than any battery because it's never running out of energy, basically. But doesn't it run out of water? Eventually, because, you know, uh, there will be much more algae than... Like growing. Like room. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I mean, they did... I mean, they just... No, they didn't mention that. I mean, they basically just said that they put um, algaes into a metal box, left it in the sun for six months, and they did never add water or anything to it. But, yeah, I don't know. In the long run, maybe like this was like just a proof of concept. They probably need to, uh, um, other kind of setup. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, uh, after, sorry, like... no, I didn't just want to have like a, a bad comment, like, a, it's like a new form of solar energy, but this time, uh, we are pouring energy out of li living creatures <laughs> as in the matrix. <laughs> Don't tell Chris. <laughs> Actually, so, yeah. actually, they say at the bottom, I just uh, put the article, I think the last sentence, if you scroll down, they imagine that in the future, giant lily pads that float on water could be coated in algae to act as mobile power stations alongside offshore wind farms. <laughs> Sounds weird. <laughs> Chris, so, to uh, be sorry, honest, uh, Vincent. <laughs> where is he? As uh, to to be honest, I think this sounds extremely realistic. I totally see that happening in five years or something. I don't know why, but yeah, I I, I also just wanted to make a bad comment about. <laughs> but we first of all we had those dams to, you know, generate energy for mining, and <laughs> of cryptocurrency. Yeah, and now we're we're having this. <laughs> 
So where are we heading? <laughs> we'll see. I think these alternative energy sources become more and more attractive because fossil fuels become more and more unavailable and either by scarcity or war, right? And uh, so it becomes uh, more important every day to uh, create these alternative energy sources like sun and wind. And now if it's affordable, why not something like algae plants? Okay, next one comes from Vincent. Vin, Vin, Vincent. Oh, yeah. It's uh, actually some article I brought more for fun than for um, for us because the Truth app is something that bothers us uh, every now and then. And I just wanted to bring it because um, the Truth app actually is very interesting because now the question, well, with Twitter being potentially under a more freer, you know, a more freeish kind of ruling, the question is, will Donald Trump return to Twitter? And this article from TechCrunch actually highlights that, well, he could be, but he is pretty much forced to publish first on Truth, uh, on the Truth app. And he's not tweeting there, by the way. I didn't know. I don't know if you know about this, but a tweet in the Truth app actually called Truth. So if he posts a Truth, um, that's actually like a tweet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But so... Um, He has a contract with them. He's becoming one of the biggest shareholders or something like that uh, very soon. And he has this contract that he cannot publish anywhere else. There are like minor exceptions, exceptions like if he's uh, running against the president, for example, like any kind of being a candidate that's a political candidate that's, I think, out of the contract. But so even though he could return there, uh, he would always have to wait, I think, six hours before after a truth a tweet could, you know, come up. And I thought that's really funny um, because, yeah, I mean, he created he created this own environment. The truth is definitely much smaller than Twitter, even though there are other questions about the legitimacy of accounts, but I brought another article about that later. But uh, yeah, I thought it's really uh, funny that this truth app actually, you know, now holds him back from coming back to Twitter. Who's the Democrat genius lawyer who came up with that? Actually, it's, I think, a governor uh, and also a, 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 he used to be governor and now is CEO of the Truth app and uh, also co-founder or something like that. And he is not Democratic. He's obviously a Republican. Um, as far as I know, uh, we I, don't hold me down to that read the article people please um and um yeah i mean obviously it's to drive traffic to the app so i i don't know if this is just a very interesting sarcastic concept <laughs> or but now obviously it is to drive traffic yeah but if you compare like uh, the reach that the truth app has so far compared to the twitter reach um <laughs> he's probably not not very happy about this uh this regulation nah. no the truth app has like it also is mentioned that the truth app is very is not very performant it is supposed to be running well it still it has a very rocky start it is only available on ios only available in the states not saying that he had a lot like a lot of followers compared to the one in the states outside of the united states but still i mean there definitely would be people subscribing to him on twitter again maybe um, and therefore, yeah, I, I don't think he's really, really happy about that. But on the other hand, who would have predicted that Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter? 
<laughs> and also, I think like the waiting list is, is super long, right? To, to get on the app. I think also in this article, it was mentioned that um, some journalists, um, they signed up for the waiting list in February um, and they got um, into the app uh, end of April or something. So you yeah, have a lot to of be people... quite patient <laughs> yeah. to get in. Interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of people waiting there. Yeah. I thought uh, I just thought maybe they are screening people before they let them in, and so journalists can wait from, for forever until before they can see it, actually the truth. Yeah, messages. they check beforehand if they really. Yeah. Yeah, if the journalists that really tell the truth, right. only then you are allowed to get in. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's it's really weird that they call this like truth. If I go on there and now I post like this message, I'm now the emperor of Earth. Then I posted a truth, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's your truth. It's my truth, <laughs> right? Yeah, you could you could say other things. The world is flat, or the elections were fake. You know, all exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it may be true. <laughs> yeah, I uh, already downloaded the Truth app uh, simply because I'm really, really curious. But I did not re register yet. Um, but it seems that it will take some time, so I should do this soon. Yeah, please do it. And then like in autumn, we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. If this app still exists. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's privately funded, right? So why shouldn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I brought also an article uh, about AI. Um, and this one I like very much, even though it is a scientific study, not a product that is uh, released yet. And so someone built something that is totally overdue. And it is a traffic in AI. AI-based traffic system. And so they uh, built the simulation where they have this artificial city and um, an AI is controlling all the traffic lights. Uh, and it, it does so by uh, scanning all the streets and understanding where is actually congestion, where are a lot of um, cars and where are no cars. And I'm not sure if, if you know this, uh, if you are uh, drivers as well, but sometimes it happens that you drive, that you are standing at a traffic light and there's no traffic at all. So you could simply go there, but you have to wait. And other times um, there's a lot of traffic and so um, the traffic lights are not working in your favor. And wouldn't it be great to have an AI that is understanding where the traffic needs to flow more quickly and at other points where there's there's no traffic um, needed at, at all and so the, the traffic lights simply uh, stay red or something like that. Um, and so this, the system is saving, would saving people a lot of time by optimizing the, the traffic flow dynamically based on the traffic situation and optimize it for the, the ideal flow. Um, and they uh, present this on a conference right now, I think. Where was it? The very beginning. Uh, and yeah, it's like the multi-agent system conference 2022. Um, and so I really hope this, that this is something that will be picked up by um, the governments and the, the people who are controlling like uh, city traffic. Uh, because I think this is one of the few um, use cases where it's undoubtedly advantageous to have like an intelligence controlling the traffic lights in a, in a good way and i know we already have some kind of automation where traffic lights still stay red until you actually pull your car in front of it and so it understands oh like with pressure sensors there's someone waiting and then it's reacting but it's not really intelligent yeah and, and if you see how much problems we have in the in the city centers with uh, with all the traffic I, i really think this will be a state of the art in the future that everything all the transportation will be like managed and optimized by AI. 
So I, I was really happy to read this article and can't wait until this is uh, applied to the real world. In uh, electromobility, I mean, when we're talking about the smarting up, smartening up of companies, and usually when we're talking about like mobility in general, I think most of the stuff we talk about actually is software related and not hardware related. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't talk about is how we can smarten up infrastructure. And this is a perfect case of this because a car that communicates better and faster and in a 360 degree way, kind of, um, also would obviously communicate with a uh, AI that then manages how much cars, how many cars are on the streets, how many cars will pass by this traffic light, et cetera, et cetera. Also, of course, I mean, Data privacy definitely is a topic we will discuss when this is becoming more more real because obviously you can also then have you have a lot of control about how many people are there, what type of people, what type of cars, stuff like that. But still, I think this is a great step also to reduce uh, impact on climate, um, to maximize battery capacity uh, because cars don't have to stop that much. Uh, and also to, well, in the end, we'll throttle and manage speeds like velocity and uh, average time you need from one place to another. Uh, so really, really interesting. Yeah. And as you said, electromobility or let's say self-driving cars at some point in time um, when the, the routes, not only the cars are optimized uh, for in terms of speed and route, but also then uh, based on the, the traffic lights. And then um, the, the AI can actually reroute the cars to another route because there was an accident or something like this um, and uh, change the, the frequency of the traffic lights and stuff. Right. Especially this rerouting maybe is something that we're underestimating right now because, I mean, everybody who is driving a car or maybe drives a car from time to time knows this, that sometimes you're on a lane. Let's say you want to turn left or right and you're asking yourself, like, why is there only one lane for so mm. many cars? And maybe in the future, a, a, an AI that understands how many lanes may be needed because there is a construction hat and therefore a traffic jam and then will communicate with like will display lanes in a different order maybe expand the number of lanes you need to turn left or to turn right you know um and therefore redirect cars like directly redirecting cars around the traffic jam so this would be something really cool and i mean even if we start in a b2b sector like let's start with public transportation and say taxi uber kind of stuff this will still would still take a heavy lift off uh well of the, the the infrastructural system we have right now right right yeah okay we uh <laughs> vincent you can directly continue i already opened up your next link yeah so uh this is about twitter and elon musk um in the past days um some people in the industry feel like that Elon Musk is getting cold feet, and that's due to a, a tweet that he made, which is that it, a claim of Musk that more than 5% of all accounts on Twitter are actually bots. And uh, I don't know how much you're using Twitter yourself, but I, I probably would argue in the favor of Musk that 5% is a very small number. And this article actually states a few or actually more than one 
analysis from the past that this actually cannot be. But Twitter is holding against it, and the CEO of Twitter, the current CEO of Twitter, um, did tweet a very long explanation how they come to the result of 5% and under. And um, they, and all comes down to this specific number of monetizable users. Um, and now the question more or less is, well, what is monetizable? Uh, because obviously this is very crucial for Twitter because their main income, I think it's an article I brought last time, is uh, ad money. And now if, say, a different party, like a third party, would officially state in cooperation with Twitter, well, it's under, not under 5%, it's maybe under 25%. This would mean that a lot more money is flowing into ads that actually is shown to bots, which therefore would mean that uh, the ad impression on Twitter is worth less. And that is why this is now very, very crucial. This article also states that actually it's quite hard for Musk to get now out of this deal. He kind of has to go through with it. The only possibility for him to get out of it is if the Twitter board and the technology behind it is a is purposely uh, scamming or purposely showing numbers or you know explaining numbers in a way that benefits Twitter or Twitter's numbers for monetizable active users, and um, therefore would be well obviously uh, something that is more or less illegal and then in that case you could either you know pull back the offer entirely but it, this article more or less states that what expected is now that is elon musk is now you know setting up to rearrange the deal to buy twitter actually cheaper than uh the billions that are now on the table and this actually already worked after twitter tweeted this um the um twitter's net worth dropped i don't know i i have a, a number in my head around about 20 percent. i don't know if this is actually true but uh it definitely it dropped and yeah we'll see like last night after i posted the article here in the uh, content management system i saw that Twi uh, musk actually retweeted something and then tweeted uh as a comment um rearranging the deal and buying Twitter cheaper actually would be an option. So it feels like that this is exactly what Elon Musk is up to. And the final question, and I'm done with my monologue, I'm sorry. The final question is, is this market manipulation? Question mark. It is kind of legal because he's just stating something. However, he also broke um, the contract he had, like the NDA, and therefore, and, and, showed to the public how Twitter is um, proving that how many or how uh, Twitter's uh, checking on how many users are bots and therefore the question is well is this very obvious market manipulation because he just doesn't want to spend that much money yeah I mean he's the ultimate influencer so whenever he opens up his mouth he kind of influences the market <laughs> so someone who buys then twitter and is the ultimate influencer is not supposed to you know like joke like that but on the other hand 
um, he might be the biggest trickster of all right. in that regard. Yeah, and especially when it comes to like this million dollar or billion dollar deal with Twitter, uh, it might be very lucrative to like send some messages here and there. Um, yeah, and I mean you can't really force him to stay quiet. This this does not work. I mean, also if he really goes through with taking the company private after this whole discussion is like as we know now he can't uh pull away or walk away from the deal and therefore whatever he does right now yeah well it's not fair to the shareholders but if he takes the company private after it not really has a very bad impact on the company at the moment besides of course the fact that if this proves to be true advertisers maybe are not interested in advertising so much on platform anymore However, he also, as you know from last time, stated that he wants to take or that he wants to limit advertising on the platform uh, very, very, very much. And therefore, it sounds like a, it, uh, something that works very well in Elon Musk's head. However, it also looks a bit unfair to the outside. And uh, well, we'll see how it plays out. It, I'm really interested in, to be seeing this because the the rating of Twitter or how they understand monetizable users seems to be very, very broad and also include a lot of bots. We'll see. Right. Yeah. And I just saw uh, my second article was the one that uh, Chris already showed and we already had Chris' second article. So, Vincent, <laughs> you brought actually a third article. <laughs> I'm I'm very sorry. I, I'm very sorry. If you We can skip this. This is about Twitter and its new, new tab. It's and funny. actually, it's just for like, it's a bad news just for Tarek and me because we don't know, we can't find out about trends anymore. Because uh, TikTok actually learned over the past that people are using um, the Discover feed not that much. And what they basically do is that they discover TikTok either via the For You page or via the search icon. And therefore, the discovery page more or less is just for people like Tyke and me who own a Twitter, uh, TikTok account, and you know try to understand the like what's going on there and um, like what is driving traffic right now to my videos, what sound, what what do I have to do? Uh, TikTok is a lot about um, uh, TikTok is a lot about replicating what you see on there, and this discovery the discovery feed actually helped a lot. And now this place by the friends tab because. TikTok sees itself more and more as a platform for entertainment, obviously, which it is, but it also sees itself as a uh, entertaining entertainment platform between friends. Um, and this is something they actually learned uh, looking at Snapchat. Snapchat sees itself as exactly that. It's a connecting app for friends. You can communicate there. They have messaging and all that stuff, but they also have this this deep in their core they have this story feature that is very like perfectionized if you want to call it that and um it is for entertaining other people without really connecting to them but still knowing them and that is what tiktok now is implementing um it started in a very small group now it's very large i'm also part of the test group telling i'm pretty sure your verified account is in there too uh and uh there so you create your account i'm sorry uh and therefore um yeah it's very interesting to see uh what how this will turn out uh, but it definitely encouraged people to create more content but also encourages people to take more content private 
uh, away from the For You page and into the only visible when befriended tab. And we'll see how this will influence the traffic on the For You page. Yeah, and I actually have uh, some information for all the TikTok users because I found um, the trends, even though I have this friends tab. If you go to the notifications uh, where you see like people who like your videos and you see um, who sends you a comment and you filter for TikTok events, then you see that TikTok always sends out like an event message whenever a new trending um, topic is, is there. And those things that were previously on the uh, trending page are now sent as like hidden messages um, in the events uh, list. And if you filter for uh, TikTok, then you see them again. I think that this is not possible anymore, Tarek. Oh, really? Okay, I have to check again. Maybe I just said something wrong, but Nothing. I thought that I saw this like last night when I was browsing through the events, and I, I saw. Oh, okay. I do see the I do see the event tab, but yeah. it's just really the events. It's not the I don't know okay. glamour Dances. challenge. I, okay, I, I have to I have yeah. to check again. Then if it's not the it's case, only then the, it's the yeah. Okay. That's only the events created by TikTok, either in cooperation with ah, okay. a brand or something like that, or if they want to um, engage. Like last year, they had this really big EduTalk challenge, which was made by TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, that's what what's visible there. I don't think okay, it's okay. for, I don't know, some weird sound. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I see. Okay, but nevertheless. Okay, then we are already through the list, but since we already... Uh, okay, we are out of time, but still, there's one thing, because uh, I lost one of my articles. We didn't talk about Space Harbor. <laughs> and uh, simply, very briefly, because this is news and everybody needs to hear this. Um, if you are a friend of Star Trek, then you might uh, enjoy listening to the news that um, here on Earth, the Starfleet Academy is now created and of course it's not called starfleet academy it's called star harbor academy but it's basically doing the same thing it's uh, in a, a privately uh, managed academy that educates and trains astronauts or people working in the space industry and this sounds weird because we already have like nasa and esa and they already create like astronauts but the idea is that after 2030 um, the space industry will grow so big with fleets of spaceships and star um, uh, space stations and colonies on Mars, for example, because Elon Musk has the plan to move like a million people to Mars until 2050. So the need for space workers is very, very high. And so starting 2026, this private company called uh, Space Har Harbor Academy, they will train like masses of astronauts. And this is really interesting. And of course, it's not like one-to-one -one what Starfleet Academy was, but we now have schools and academies for astronauts. And so I, I really think this is incredible that, again, one, once again, I say uh, we live in the future and everything that we touch right now is like science fiction, but it's really like a privately held academy for astronauts. And so you do not have to apply to NASA or ESA anymore if you are planning to travel to space or work in space. Yeah, even though you have to wait until 2026 and you have to have a lot of money for this education. Hint. Yeah, but Hint. there was no price tag mentioned so far, right? Because I just subscribed to the newsletter. To, I, I did too. <laughs> to yeah. get to know the <laughs> <laughs> How much it's going to cost, etc. But um, yeah. Great Did you news. click enlarge? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, 
Yeah, in, on the right, right here. They. I'm not sure if this is always on Ars Technica uh, that you can enlarge a picture, or if this was a star, another Star Trek hint, like enlarge. <laughs> yeah, but they have some nice uh, artist renderings. Yeah, so this building does not exist yet. Um, but they plan to have this very beautiful campus and it's not only a training facility for astronauts but they also have like these uh, like scientific um, and engineering research uh, facilities and institutes where um, like SpaceX or NASA can contract or subcontract uh, research um, because they do this like a university and can uh, work and research there and they are not only training astronauts but all the disciplines that are necessary for space travel, space exploration, and working in space. Yeah? So also space machinery and space science. Just put space onto every other topic like space computer science and space geology and space chemistry. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and you can subscribe to cool. the newsletter. And I'm really curious to see if this, this initiative will die or if this is going to be the next big thing in uh, industrial evolution of human humankind is it on truth i have to check <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah that was the last link um, that i will add uh, to the list as well uh, we are out of time but thank you for everyone who joined everyone who sent uh, all these amazing lists li list links And I'm looking forward to the next uh, tech review. And the next tech review in two weeks is going to be a special one because we are going to broadcast live from TechCon in Berlin, like this huge conference with hundreds of people. And we will be on stage, on the main stage. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it will be the uh, Wednesday, the June 1st. And I don't have the time uh, at the top of my head, but it's going to be somewhere in the afternoon. And so I hope we will have a... 7 a.m. Is it 7 a.m.? <laughs> no, no, I think no, that's, no, no, no. That's it's, late. it's around 4, 4.30 or something, like in the afternoon. Vincent the trickster. Yeah, and so I, I hope that we are going to have like a large uh, audience online as well as like a large audience in the audience in the room there and it will be quite challenging but really a great experience so see you there and uh, i'm looking forward uh, to your contributions see you then bye if you are hearing this message you've listened to the entire episode and for that we here at tech review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts we hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was please leave us a review on spotify apple podcast or wherever you are listening to us right now share this episode with others who could also like it do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media we hope you'll be back for the next episode